0: Welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdoff, c 70 the Bet at C70. On Twitter with me as always Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman. Um, the baseball season is over. We are fully into the winter, um, which is a, usually when we talk about the hot stove. Fairly sure that's not going to be an accurate representation of this winter. Um, and... Let's just dive right into it, because this is, I mean, if anybody that's followed Tara for any length of time knows, this was not necessarily the best week for, for her, uh, her, her interests as the Cardinals declined the option on Colton Wong, $12.5 million option that they declined, paid him a million dollars, and now Colton Wong is a free agent. And given, given the Cardinals' comments, given Wong's comments, or at least through his wife, it doesn't feel like that's going to be a situation that gets resolved and the, him just happened to come back and, and show up in a different contract situation. Tara, first of all, how are you handling it?
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This is something that we've sort of talked about the last couple of off seasons as far as Colton Wong being a name that gets floated around as a possible trade chip or somebody that there might be value in that they could move and you know perhaps not crumble the integrity of the rest of the roster I think this year is a little bit different I think the last two seasons Colton Wong has stepped into a role that is incredibly valuable I think once nationally his defense started getting recognized for what it was it gave everyone in St. Louis a little bit of that you know comfort zone feeling to be able to say look this kid's really good at what he does he moved to the top of the lineup this year and granted wasn't out of this world spectacular, but there—it's not like there was, was a better option. So it was just sort of the year and just sort of the trend of Cardinals baseball in the last several years. So I think what he did was step in and prove himself as not just capable, but as a really important piece of this team and the way that it was constructed the last couple of years. I think, and and I'm I I will like slow down and take a breath at some point, but I think that Colton Wong makes. Paul DeYoung better. I think that Colton Wong making Paul DeYoung better makes Matt Carpenter at third base not a liability as much as it might have been. I think that the middle infield defense hinges on the incredible range and skill and theatrics sometimes of Colton Wong and you take him out of that mix and yes, you can find another body to put at second base. You can find another guy, whether it's Tommy Edmund or otherwise, who is capable defensively but I don't think that the pieces the Cardinals have in place are are guys that are going to change the dynamic of the game defensively and continue to improve their offense year in and year out like Colton Wong has done. So it's it's it was a weird notification to get because I even brought this up a couple of weeks ago after the Cardinals season had ended and you know we were talking about how does this team do something different and even at that point I think I said. You know, I don't want to see Colton Wong playing for another team, but do I want this team to do something different instead of trying to just get better with the same thing that hasn't been working? Yes, and maybe that means Colton Wong ends up being traded for something else. So I had sort of reconciled the idea of Colton Wong not being with St. Louis, whether it was this upcoming season or years after that. This, though, isn't the way I thought it was going to happen. And the more I think about it, the more time passes, the more frustrating that part of it gets. Because we have talked about Colton Wong as one of the few pieces on the Major League roster that you could trade for a high value. And they basically just let him walk away. So that part of it, to me, is the thing that's the most frustrating. And, you know, we can talk all you want about who has money and who doesn't have money and how they're going to allocate it Colton Wong to me and I I realize there's some bias there uh to me though Colton Wong is not the guy that you let get away for nothing
0: I agree with that obviously but I do wonder I mean we're seeing what we're seeing throughout baseball you know again the Colton Wong was not the only person that didn't have an mm-hmm. option uh, picked up. I do wonder if the front office put out the feelers, gave some ideas and, and just knew that there wasn't going to be anybody that wanted to take Colt Wong at 12 and a half million. Um, and, you know, it's like, okay, we'll take him for seven or eight and we'll give you some prospect that may or may not work out that may not have been good enough for them. Um You know, I don't know. I mean, I, we don't know that they tried to trade him at all, but I feel like, uh, I don't feel like the, the front office would miss that trick. You know, it's not like they let him go and then they said, man, we could, maybe we could have traded him. But then again, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a weird, it's a weird situation in general. I mean, obviously in any, any, any other year, Colton Wong's option is picked up like three days before the World Series is over (laughs) with. I mean, it's just, it's automatic. Um, And then to have it come to an end like this, kind of abruptly, I mean, even even with the losses that the Cardinals took financially, it still felt like Colton Wong's option was going to be picked up, right? I mean, I think most people... Understanding the financial situation and understanding that the Cardinals are probably going to cut payroll, still felt like their best chance, the Cardinals' best chance of being competitive next year while not having to just go out and spend money, was to retain Colton Long and continue to have that defense, like you were talking about, where it makes everybody else better. Um, that they didn't do that, especially on a guy that they have. I don't want to, I don't know what the word is, but basically cultivated maybe since, you know, since they drafted him is really strange. And I think it may be very telling of what baseball is going to look like this winter and it's not going to be a pretty situation.
1: Yeah. And I think as much as the logical part of my brain wants to try to understand that concept, Mm -hmm. what, what I don't quite understand is even if you say, Okay, well, what the Cardinals need is offense, not necessarily defense. So you make that sacrifice. How much of an offensive upgrade are you going to get for 12 and a half million? Mm-hmm. You're not going to find a game changing, a team changing, uh, an organization altering guy for what you just decided to not pay for Colton Wong. So In a situation, even if the premise is we have to save as much money as possible, well, this isn't a roster that's designed to add one offensive piece to it and ta-da, we're fixed. So they're still going to have to, if their aim is to be competitive and if their aim is to, you know, potentially win a a division title in an NL Central that doesn't look particularly difficult right now. Mm Mm-hmm they're going to have to depend depend on their defense yet another season if they're not going to go out and spend money to change the the dynamic of that roster so if they're not going to change the dynamic of the roster then why do you why do you let go of one of the central pieces of the defense that makes you unique in terms of how you prevent runs from scoring they're not going to go out and spend a bunch of money to change the face of this organization so you walk away from the defense that has gotten you as far as it has in the last couple of years it just i understand the premise of they're trying to save money i just don't understand how this accomplishes that and makes the team any better and if they're not trying to make the team any better then you know Just stop trying to make us think that they are, right? Just stop talking about it in terms of competitiveness Mm -hmm. and talk about it exclusively in terms of we'll field a team but for as little money as possible because we can't afford it. And if that's the the conversation they want to have, there are going to be a lot of detractors. There are going to be a lot of people that even – post pandemic season are going to say, uh, you could if you wanted to, based on how much money your owner has or how much the team is valued at or whatever it is. That's a, a separate conversation. But it's hard for me to justify or to reconcile this idea of look at what the NL Central is going to be next year, what it is likely going to be next year. And even if nobody's spending big money, if the Cardinals had just stood pat, they would still have been, at this point, a contender for favorite in the division. So, you walk away from someone like Colton Wong, that it's sort of the definition of the kind of player that you've fed into. that the, the style of baseball that you've bought into the last couple of years. Defense first, run prevention first. To do what? To get worse? Or to get better? Because getting better is likely going to cost you more than 12 and a half million.
0: Yeah, probably. And of course there's other money that is possibly going to be saved. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. You know, I do feel like and Alan and I talked about this on meet me Imusual this week. I do feel like right now their selling point is everybody else is going to be worse than <laughs> us. It's not that we're going to be better. You know, we're not gonna be a, a better team, but our step back is not as not enough that the Pirates or the Reds or the Brewers are gonna catch us and the Cubs have their own issues and we're gonna be right in the mix for winning the NL Central again next year, which may be true, but I think we saw in this year's playoffs just what the NL Central is like compared to the rest of baseball and the fact that the Cardinals are the only team that won a, a game in the playoffs and one of the only teams that actually scored in the playoffs. Um It was it, just winning the NL central is a nice little thing to say, but it doesn't mean you're a competitive team right now. It doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to be somebody that can actually say, Well, and I know they're going to say, well, you get into the playoffs, you never know what happens. Yeah, you kind of do sometimes, (laughs) Um, you know, if you don't have any offense, um, you you saw what happened. You know, the Padres came back um, and yes, the Cardinals beat the Braves the year before, but then they ran into a Nationals team that completely shut them down. And, you know, the Cardinals haven't fielded a team that you would actually think had a real legitimate chance at the World Series in a while um you know it it does feel like the idea of getting to the playoffs is enough and there's i mean there's merit to that but that's that's not the carton that you know when it doesn't work then you get the gap that we saw at the end of you know in uh 2016 17 18 you see the teams that kind of don't get very far in october um i don't i don't know i mean again to lose Colton Wong, you know, I, I don't know. The only the only saving grace for the Cardinals may be, and we'll have to see if this actually comes out this year, is that if there is a lot of talent out there that nobody is spending on, then maybe you get a guy that's normally $10 million. You get him for three and, you know, on a one-year deal and get enough of those and keep going. But it, I don't know that I even trust that the Cardinals would do that.
1: Yeah, it's just such a weird strategy. And I know it's at least exaggerated by the pandemic situation, but it's also kind of the way baseball is going right now in a very frustrating way. Um, Because everybody wants to spend as little money as possible for comparable skill sets. And while you can make that happen... I don't know that it's a great way to build any sort of loyalty or or even, you know, excitement or to generate this feeling of, yeah, we're going to win this year with your fan base if your entire goal is, well, but how much money can we save? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the story in this particular offseason like I said, exaggerated by the pandemic, but not necessarily because of the pandemic. This was already a thing that was happening. This is why there had begun to be these rumblings with young guys like Jack Flaherty, who weren't just going to take what an organization offered them, but were going to fight for what they deserved. Because this is something that's already been happening. It's just now in the limelight because of all the money and and listen i i get it teams lost money or they didn't make the kind of money that they normally do they're not working with the same kind of you know profit that they're used to in even an average season so i understand that and that's all very real and it's all very reasonable to discuss and to talk about and to think about and to plan for and, and all of those things that's fine um but this is something this was a trend that was already happening prior to that being an issue at all
0: yeah there, there's no doubt that especially with the CBA that was going to be coming up at the end of next year anyway you had a lot of that kind of stuff going around um this just makes it worse um you, you know i don't i don't know if what if Right now, let me try to see if I can figure out the best way to phrase this. Right now, what would make you, what could the Cardinals reasonably do that would make you feel like they had improved for next year? Or even if they haven't improved, that they have made you somewhat excited for next year?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I was just thinking today that they've done a really great job of making me as apathetic towards this team as I think I've ever been. And whether that's the seeming di- seemingly disinterest in Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, much less the Colton Wong thing, or just sort of this idea that like good enough is good enough that has been pretty pervasive the last couple of years man it just i i the second part of that question what would make me excited about the season i don't even know how to answer that right now because i'm i'm very bothered by the approach of this team right now organizationally mm-hmm. that and i guess more than ever you know this whole idea of well we we really like our veterans we really like you know the guys that we have the promoting from within and all of that you can feed me that concept of we really trust the guys that we have until you don't bring back those guys that you spent years telling me you trust with every like and i get it they're older they're more expensive or whatever i understand all of that but it's really hard for me to buy into what they're selling as far as the cardinal the, not cardinal way like the actual cardinal way but the mm-hmm. cardinal way of creating something from nothing and then relying on veterans and valuing their experience over kind of the hot new thing when it turns out once you have to pay those veterans for their experience or you have to build around them that you know well well now we 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 just can't make something work out. No, that doesn't mean they won't work something out without a Wainwright and Yadier Molina. That's to be determined. But there's no urgency, I guess, is, the, is the, the thing that is frustrating for me. There's no urgency around how do we make this team better? There doesn't seem to be any excitement from within about, guys, here's what we're going to do next year. And obviously, they're not going to put all their cards on the table so that everyone knows what they're doing. I understand that. But there's just nothing about this team that is particularly exciting to me right now. The the idea that Carlos Martinez is uh, a trade ship, they're likely going to try to move, not just be willing to listen to phone calls on. Um, and that kind of leaves Jack Flaherty as the, the lone starter that is interesting in terms of what he could be. Um, and I don't know how you build around that when you've made it quite clear that not spending money is your primary goal for 2021. So, I don't even know how to answer your question because I'm so uninterested in what the Cardinals have to to work with right now and I don't know that I've ever been as uninterested and as uninspired about what could happen next season as I am right now with this team. And as anyone listening to the show knows, it takes a lot for me to be the one that sounds excessively negative uh, as far as the Cardinals are concerned. And, you know, we always joke about Mo telling me that I want everyone fired. Well, I don't want everyone fired, but I I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing that happened. (laughs) At least it would be something.
0: So are you saying I'm usually the one that's excessively negative about the Cardinals? Is that what we're getting I, at?
1: No, I'm just saying this I isn't don't. where people tend to come for <laughs> I don't. the uh, I'm not interested in anything that they're doing kind of commentary. And,
0: and it's fair. I, know. I mean, it, you know, two years ago in the winter, you know, the Cardinals went out and got um, Paul Goldschmidt, but we also spent this winter maybe with at least... Some flickering hope that they were going to sign Bryce Harper as long as he stayed out there. I mean, we knew that they probably wouldn't, but at least we could argue that this was a situation they needed to be involved with. And you know, if it wasn't, you know, maybe it would happen. And whatever case, okay. last off season, you know, there was the trade with Colorado that they, everybody was hoping for and looking for it and getting excited about. There's nothing this winter <laughs> that even sounds believable that wouldn't make this team exciting or interesting for the for the winner. And again, winning the winter, winning the offseason is not the way necessarily to win the regular season. I get that. But after a year where nobody could go to the ballpark, you might want to make it worth going when they can. Um, because there's going to be some people that have had a year off of going and, and some are going to be like, Oh, as soon as the gates were open, they could have, you know, single eight players out there. They're going to go, but there's some others that are like, you know, I got away with it last last winter or last summer. I, you know, maybe I don't need to spend that money this time around. Maybe I don't need season tickets. Maybe I'll just get a game here or there um, because I don't see that this team is necessarily worth me investing in. And I don't know that the Cardinals have a good argument against that, especially if Yadier Molina and and Adam Wainwright go somewhere else. Now, both of those guys hit free agency this week. and, And some of that was procedural. I mean, the Cardinals could not offer Yadier Molina, especially a contract in the area that they wanted to without him hitting free agency just because of the way the CBA is written. But... Now that both guys are out there, there's no given teeth. Uh, the you know, there's the White Sox with Tony LaRusso, might be interesting in, in Yadier Molina. Um, the Yankees are supposedly involved, the uh, um, the uh, Braves are interested in Adam Wainwright. Um, uh, there are possibilities, and if the card, if those two guys are looking for a place that the Cardinals are that somebody that might actually win the World Series next year or be competitive for that. If that's their main goal right now, because it can't be all about money. They've gotten quite a bit of it. If that's their main goal, how do they come back to St. Louis?
1: Mm -hmm. And that should be a giant red flag for the St. Louis front office. If you can't get Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, who love this team more than anything, Mm -hmm. excited about coming back to St. Louis then how in the world am I supposed to be excited about watching the team that you're putting on the field? If they don't even want to be there, and I'm not saying they don't, but if they don't see a way to a winning team as far as capable of winning the World Series with the roster that's going to be put together, if Adam Wainwright, the most positive person on the planet, doesn't see a World Series team in St. Louis – then you've got a major problem with what it is that you're trying to sell to the fan base right now. And if it's not to put a World Series team together, if that's not your goal right now, fine. But don't act all huffy when people tell you this team is boring, because it is right now. And it doesn't have the pieces in place to win a World Series, at least not to look like a contender for a World Series. And as much as I want Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina to retire as St. Louis Cardinals and ride off into the sunset together, do I want them to have another chance to win a World Series? Of course I do. And why wouldn't they want that as well? So if they see the writing on the wall in St. Louis that they're not even going to keep a $12.5 million gold glove second baseman, then... (laughs) they're not going to just sit around and end up playing for pennies comparatively for a team that doesn't have a chance to win. And honestly, I can't fault them for that. So that's, like I said, if that's the case, if Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are so disinterested in what the Cardinals are putting on the field that they are more inclined to go somewhere else to ride off into the sunset uh, then you know things are worse than we maybe previously thought <laughs> as mm-hmm. far as the approach and the plan <clears throat> and the method of the front office in st louis yeah again i'm just filled with positivity <laughs>
0: <laughs> well if you could find somebody that's overly positive about this this team and this free, this off season and um everything that goes along with it i would be really interested to see who they are um because it's difficult. It, it, we are just really at the very beginning of this off season, and things might happen. I mean, honestly, if it came out tomorrow that a vaccine for the virus was going to be able to be distributed by next February, that most people could have had it by then, the Cardinals might be a little bit more inclined to spend the money, to at least keep Adam Wainwright and, and Yadier Molina. Um, or to maybe make one bigger move if they had an idea that the fans were going to be able to be there for 162 games or even 140 games or whatever it may be that's the late start or whatever the case might be. But the idea that they don't know if they're going to have a full stadium in March or April or, the, or June or I mean, you know many of us thought that we'd be back to normal what last June and it could be June or July of next year before they have a full stadium. they're not gonna take on that risk, and whether they should or not, it's a totally different story, and you're right. You can get into valuation of the team and valuation of the owners and how much they've made and and all that, but you also I think it's fair to say. They spent money they didn't have to spend this this year too with uh, giving money to, for funds for um, stadium workers for mm-hmm. for minor leaguers. Uh, not enough for minor leaguers. We can get that's a different story. We <laughs> we we know that argument. But still, they did pay their minor leaguers, which is more than I think maybe a few teams did not. It's. It's it is a business mess for them. I get that. And if you could give them some certainty, because that is, we've talked about that for years, right? That's what the Cardinals crave more than anything is certainty on their payroll, on the money that's coming in. If they know that they're going to make X amount of dollars, they're going to spend X amount of dollars. But they, if you don't, if you throw them a fur loop, if you give them an idea of, well, this could be this or this could be that. They don't like that. And that's got to be a, a terrifying situation for them right now. And it, again, I'm not saying that necessarily justifies everything that they've done. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say from their perspective, even if it's you don't have to necessarily assume a greed issue with them. And there are some significant issues and. I, you know, I know that they don't like being in the place that they're at, but there are also some things that they're going to have to do because otherwise you're right. This is a very mediocre team. It's a team that doesn't, you know, has to hope that Dylan Carlson, a full year Dylan Carlson is enough to, to give a boost. It's got to hope that Jeff Albert's, um, tutorials or instructions or curriculum, it starts to sink in, um, And because there's, there's nobody riding over the horizon. I mean, you know, if they spend $3 million on a free agent, that might be overstating it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It's totally fair to acknowledge the situation that they're in and the business decisions that have to be made. I guess I just, and, and maybe we just haven't heard that much from them yet. Uh, But it'll be frustrating to hear how great they think the team's going to be when we all know that it's not (laughs) based on the choices that they have made or that the guys are not willing to pay. So if there's that disconnect of like, no, 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 really, it's going to be fine that will be incredibly frustrating and actually make me even less interested in watching what the team is going to do because they it comes off as so tone deaf yeah um to the the reality of their situation if they're and again i get it there's you know pr means of making announcements or saying things or whatever they're not going to just come out and say look we don't have a lot of money to work with It might be a rough year, but we'll get it back, and then we'll start over as soon as we can. They're not going to say that. I understand that. But I also hope they don't try to sell us some weird version of reality that's like, no, actually, it's better to not spend money on talented Mm -hmm. players. Trust us, because that is just going to... I I know not all fans are as invested as you and I are. There are a lot of more casual fans that'll just show up and watch the game whenever they can and not think too hard about it. And maybe that's where I need to end up for a while. <laughs> but for those of us who are paying attention, it it feels a lot like they. I don't I don't need them to to baby me through a season that. I know is not going to be good just because they've decided they don't have money to spend. That's fine. That's their prerogative, but I don't have to be excited about it. And I don't have to think that it's how I would allocate that money. And I'm not going to be particularly happy about them trying to, you know, spoon feed us some weird version of reality <laughs> when we can all see what's happening.
0: Yeah. And then there's a difference between, I think, and you, Chuck, correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but I think there's a difference between being optimistic and being uh, an overselling, you know, I mean, right. they could say, look, we're really interested in what Johan Alviedo can do. At, you know, he, he looked good last year. We're lo- very interested to in see what he can do in the fifth spot. And, you know, Tommy edmond has been very good. You know, we well, think that Tommy Edmund can give us a little bit of a, of a boost there. We're going to miss Colton Wong and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think if they're upbeat about their players, that's one thing. If they're saying, yeah, we think we've got the best team in that division and we're going to, you know, we plan to compete all the way into October. You know, that's a different, maybe a little bit different. I know there's kind of some shades there. Um, but yeah. And if that's yeah, if you're right, if they come out and say, you know, honestly, it's, you know, we're keeping, if they do, the, we're keeping our powder dry line. Then no, you know, if it's that, oh, we've got payroll. And, and again, Bo even said this when they like, oh, Colton, payroll flexibility, uh, you know, if it doesn't get used, doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't, it's great if you have an extra $10 million that you think you can do something with your payroll. But if you still have an extra $10 million come opening day on your payroll, then payroll flexibility didn't mean a squat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I think there's even a way that to take what you said almost a step further, you mentioned Oviedo mm-hmm. uh, or, or Tommy Edmund at second or even Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill, whatever. Pick one of those guys. Pick one of those things that looks like, OK, maybe the, there could be an upgrade here and they're not going to do it. Instead of telling us, no, 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 we're really excited about this guy. We think he's going to be an all star. Mm-hmm. You can say, "Hey, we're gonna roll with this because things are a little weird right now, and we we like the potential that he has, and we're excited to see what he brings to the table." Without trying to tell me he's gonna be an all-star. all star, right. like you don't have to to tell me some, give me some line, tell me some, you know, part of this. No, 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 it's gonna be so great. It's like <laughs> this is a terrible example, but hopefully, it'll make the point. It's like when my grandma used to make my cousins and I go to like presidential libraries as our big day trips. And she'd be like, no, it's going to be so great. It's going to be so fun. There's so much that you can see and you can learn. And every time we were like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Why do you keep telling me how awesome it is? I know what it is and I'm not impressed. So as a kid, that trip that is like yeah, it's just really educational and it's, and it's and it's free. Well, that's fine, but we can go. Just don't try to t- sell it to me like it's Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And that's what will be very annoying to watch.
0: I'm <clears throat> sadly to say it. I was probably one of those kids that would have actually found that interesting. So, um. <laughs>
1: well, it's interesting, but it's still not you know Uh,
0: granted yes like
1: world shattering (laughs) yeah amazing this changed my life thing now for some people maybe it is but for me it was you know my grandma's gonna make me read every plaque on every wall and every (laughs) sign everywhere and i was never excited about that
0: (laughs) that, that's completely fair i I agree and you're right i mean when you're especially in the mindset especially if somebody says hey we're gonna do something great and that's where you go Instead of, you know, the amusement park that you were planning on going to, then it, it may be fine, but it's going to suffer in comparison. And that's what this Cardinal team is going to do. I mean, we've seen 20 plus years of good Cardinal baseball right now. If I'm Alex, I'm a little worried about that over 500 streak. (laughs) Um, And again, a lot of things that can happen they could easily, and I know Derek Gould has written some about this as well. They could easily start to embrace more platooning and, you know, bring in a bat that's not exciting, but that pairs well with a Harrison Bader or something like that. So that all of a sudden that position becomes more uh, offensive than, than it had been, you know, maybe some small things like that can help push this team into respectability. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to say that a team that went, you know, finished second and was over 500 and made the playoffs and have almost made it to the second round of the playoffs or which would have been the first round if it had been a normal year um, is a team that just does all of a sudden, like, you know, battling with the pirates, but, you know, it's a lot of disappointment there. It's hard to, it's hard to see this team maybe in a, in a clear light of saying, okay, there's some good here after a, another weak offensive season and a season, you know, next year, no Dakota Hudson. Um, you don't know what you're going to get out of Miles Michaelis. You don't know what you're going to get out of Carlos Martinez if he's there. Um, you know, maybe no Adam Wainwright and maybe no Yadier Molina to carry these, this pitching staff. And then we have to figure out how much of an impact he had. Uh, you start looking at all this and you see a lot more weaknesses than you see strengths.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not even hard to get there. Mm. (laughs) It takes a couple of quick turns around. Okay. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Oh, huh. All right. (laughs) And you're looking at a team that you go, Hmm, well, the Cubs are not going to be great. The pirates are still bad. The Reds, uh, I don't understand what they're doing or how Mm. they're doing it. The Brewers, meh. And then you get to the Cardinals and you still go, oh, they're still maybe not the best team in the division. Now, if every one of those guys, whether it's somebody that they bring into platoon or if it's somebody that comes up from, you know, the minor leagues that we didn't get a chance to see all 2020 because they weren't actually playing games or whatever it is if they come up and like play out of their mind and put together a run then great that's fine i'm happy that that will happen for them but it just doesn't look like that right now and you know when mike schilt took over as the manager the Mike Matheny chapter was officially closed. I think there was this idea that we were suddenly going to start to see a really different team, a mm-hmm. really different organizational focus, and that there was this back and forth, this push and pull between Matheny and Moselak that was kind of keeping them stalled in their ability to, to push forward and become that sort of Dodgers-style favorite The problem is Mike Matheny didn't decide what the payroll was and Mike Matheny didn't decide who they added to the roster and neither does Mike Schilt. So there's still issues that seem like, man, I feel like we're still saying the same thing that we were saying Mm -hmm. all those years ago with Mike Matheny that clearly had nothing to do with Mike Matheny. And I think we knew that at the time. He didn't create the roster. We knew that, but there were plenty of other reasons to complain about what Mike Matheny was doing, but organizationally it's still the same team. It's still the same process. There are still the same flaws in the product that they're putting on the field year in and year out and the way that they're trying to sell it to us. I I certainly appreciate John Mozelak and the uh, access he allows us to have every year to ask questions either virtually like we did this year or in person at the, uh, you know, blogger day event where they host us all, or at least they have, they're probably not going to invite me after they hear this <laughs> podcast, but nonetheless, I, I appreciate that access that he gives to us, but he always balks a little bit at this idea that, look, these are the same issues that you've had year in and year out. Why don't you address them? And he always makes who whomever it is that asks that question, feel a little stupid for asking it when he talks about, well, we've finished over 500 and we've made the postseason and we're successful in, in this way. And we have this many fans. And every time it's like, that's great, man, but that's not the question we asked. (laughs) That's not, that's not the point of this question. And it gets dodged every time. So that issue has been an issue since long before the Mike Matheny uh, dismissal (laughs) And it continues to be a problem now. And it's it's really, you look around at this team, and as we've said many times before, there's not really a fear factor. Now, Paul Goldschmidt was great in 2020. It didn't really matter in terms of everything else that went along with the season. But there's not a lot that you look at with this team and go, yep, I'm really excited about that for next year. And that is the same thing we've been saying for like, five plus years and that has led me to this point where i'm just terribly uninterested in what they're going to do because i feel like it's not going to be anything that we haven't seen before which means it's not going to be anything that actually has an impact and you know then you just get to re-watch the last couple of years over and over again and complain about the same things just with different names attached
0: we've gone long. But being that as I'll address it in a little bit, we probably won't have a show for a while. I think it's safe to do that I do want to ask you one more question and it's it's come up a lot on Twitter and especially this off season or this postseason as Randall Rosarena was destroying everybody in his path um, It's come up with Luke Voigt it's come up with some others and the return as of course this week um, we saw Max Schrock being taken by the Cubs off waivers, so there's nobody left from the Steven Piscotty trade. There's nobody left from the Randall Gritchick trade. Are we getting to the point, are you getting to the point, maybe it's maybe a better way of saying this, to wonder if John Mosaylock has lost his touch, if he's maybe, you know, I, I feel like the first half of his tenure was, was pretty good, but maybe since he's been moved up to president of baseball operations things haven't gone quite as well for him is this a lull is i'm not saying that his job's in jeopardy because i don't believe it is but is he getting to the point where he's somewhat resting on past years and and hoping that the current years don't catch up to him
1: i do think that he's resting on a model for success that doesn't work anymore Hmm. And I think that he's shown, whether it's by his, of his own accord or because of direct instructions from ownership, he's shown an unwillingness to change course. And we've said this before, you can only do the same thing so many times and expect a different result before people start to question your sanity. <laughs> and again, I, I don't, I'm not in the room. I don't know what the conversations are. I don't know what his limitations are as far as the, the ownership is concerned in directing what does or doesn't happen. Certainly in deciding payroll and and how much he has to work with and that sort of thing. That's not really his call. So some of the angst about the Colton Wong decision or, you know, other contracts in the past, I, I believe the Matt Carpenter decision was more an ownership thing than a John Moselak thing. So... It's, it's fair to question a little bit where to direct some of the angst, but it does feel like there's not a lot of adaptation to what baseball is now or to what the Cardinals are now and what they're not now perhaps is even more important because Jamal Zaylock took over the Cardinals and had some really great highlights of success, whether it was with Tony La Russa or with certain players that have come along throughout the years. And yes, they have been, air quotes, successful during his tenure in that they're not a team that you're constantly worried about finishing under 500. They're not a team that has really been anything less than a division contender for those years. But I guess what feels like maybe he's lost his touch to me is in 2011, the Colby Rasmus trade happened. And at the time, we all went, I can't believe he just did that because Tony La Russa doesn't like Colby Rasmus. (laughs) And then they ended up winning the World Series. And I realized like that whole thing was certainly not how anyone planned for it to go, but there were some really critical pieces of that trade that ended up leading to them having success in the postseason. And that was an example of, huh, maybe he did know a little bit more about this than we did. Now, of course, there are all sorts of other things that had to fall into place for that World Series to happen at all. I I understand that. That's not just to the credit of John Moselock. But I haven't seen that kind of risky choice or that kind of aggressive move very often since then. And, you know, we talk about, we sort of joke about, uh, oh, the trade deadline's coming up. What middling reliever are the Cardinals going to trade a prospect for? Because it feels like he only has, like, three tricks in his book. And at this point, everyone knows what they are. So I don't know that I'm in a position to question John Moselock's baseball business savvy in terms of he just doesn't get it anymore. But I do think it's fair to wonder if he's adapting to the game quickly enough based on how quickly the game is changing. And whether that has to do with the kind of contracts that he signs or the kinds of players he pursues or the kinds of trades he's willing to make. I don't know if... If baseball is what it was when John Moselak was at his best. And if he's not willing to make some changes in his approach or in his philosophy or in, you know, how the communication happens in order to keep St. Louis as a here's the thing. In his mind, St. Louis is still a destination that players want to end up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. And if, that's, if there's a disconnect there between, and, and I, again, I feel like I have to caveat this, I'm not out there talking to players, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe it is where everyone wants to play, but it certainly doesn't seem that way. So for there to be a disconnect in the mind of John Mozelak that that thinks, no, 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 people are just going to flock to us because St. Louis is a destination that every player wants to end up. And then for the players to be going, mm, I see what's happening there and I think I'm out. Well, then that's a problem if John Mozeliak won't adapt to the players he needs in order to create a winning organization. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know if it's because he's lost his touch or if it's because he's under really specific um, orders, if you will, from ownership about what can and can't happen or if he still just has sort of a weird sense of, the legacy version of the Cardinals instead of the modern version of the Cardinals. And I don't know if that works right now.
0: Yeah. And it's very possible that, you know, maybe if Wainwright and Molina leave, then you obviously have to reevaluate the uh, destination idea. Yeah, I, I also wonder, you know, there was this idea, maybe we were naive to think it, that there would be a transition from him to michael gersh that he would look at the big picture things and gersh would do a little bit more of the day-to-day work and it doesn't seem like it has so i'm wondering if maybe he's added the big picture and still has a lot of the day-to-day stuff and it's having trouble with some sort of you know being able to focus just on one thing i don't know i mean there are some some different issues for sure all right well we've gone well enough long but tara's out-of-pocket the next couple of weeks, um, and then we get into Thanksgiving. So unless something major comes up, we may not hear from us again until December. So we'll have to make this tide over. (laughs) So uh, until we talk again, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night.
1: Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.